catch everyone up. And also, we haven't had this class in a couple of weeks. I was on vacation one week. Last week was Tu Bishvat. But um, we're, this is now part five of our series on the poetry of prayer. Or as it said in the bulletin yesterday, on the wings of prayer. I'm not sure how that title got in there. The title of the class is The Poetry of Prayer. Nicholas and Melanie, I see that you're on. Welcome. Guys, turn on your cameras. We want to see everyone's beautiful face. Good to see you guys. Um, uh, Jason, are you available? Can you turn your camera on, Jason, or no? Not, not possible. So this is Poetry of Prayer, Part 5. And what we've been doing up until now is more of an introduction trying to set the stage for what we're going to start speaking about tonight. And that is the Amidah. We gave a little bit of a background to prayer. We spoke about the power of our thoughts. We spoke about the power of our words. We saw in many Kabbalistic works how our thoughts, our emunah, create what's called in Kabbalah Shefa divine energy and how it flows through us when we program our mind to be on the right frequency, which is called emuna. It therefore becomes a channel for shefa, a channel for bracha, for blessing. We said how our words themselves also become vessels. And what we spoke about last time in Poetry of Prayer Part 4, and by the way, you can get all of those videos. You can look back on YouTube. Uh, I posted all of them, so you can check all those out. But what we spoke about last time is that prayer ideally should be somewhat of a free flow between your own personal language but also the language of our sages who were holy people, prophets, um, and, and those who understood sort of the, the, the magic formula, if you will. I'm being somewhat facetious by calling it that, right? But somewhat of, of, of that. Evo, good to see you. Or I don't really see you, but good to see that you're back on. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Hi, everybody. Nice. You too. We're, we're all in the I snow. I made it here. It's yeah, nice to see that uh, little background. Maybe everyone could like change your backgrounds to like nice sunny like beach backgrounds. We'd like to see, sort of feel like we're uh, back in the sun, a little fun in the sun. So, um, so what we spoke about last time is that you want to mix it up. You want to mix up your prayer and have a little bit of you, a little bit of just you know raw freestyle Ari Goldstein, you know unfiltered, just you and Hashem. But you also want to be able to tap in to the power of the language of prayer that creates the Siddur, the prayer book. Because over there, our sages, the sages who wrote the prayer, Second Temple, Post-Second Temple era, the Anche Knesset Agdola, the Men of Great Assembly, put together a combination of, of prayers and of language that are really meant to plug you in to a language that you on your own would not be able to come up with. Words are powerful. And words are powerful in many ways. The words of your heart are powerful because they're, they're connected to you. They're, they're connected to your emotions. 
But traditional words are powerful because it links it together with every other Jew who's ever said these words. Every great spiritual guru, mystic, Hasidic rabbi, tzaddik, righteous person, high priest, low priest, whatever it is, Sarah Chamberlain is on. Whatever it is, when you say those words of prayer, you are linking yourself together with all of them and with all of their intentions. Your words are now becoming swallowed up into their words, right? You're, 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 you're now one with them. And in that sense, prayer is not just a solo act, but prayer is a community act. Because you are binding yourself together with the community, together with the righteous people, and therefore that gives your prayer an extra oomph, an extra emphasis. And in that way, prayer is working very much like any other mitzvah that you don't understand. You, you get it, you, you, you know a little bit as to, well, okay, Kate Sanderson is on. Right? You get a little bit of a flavor when you're shaking a lulav, but you don't really know. When you're rapping to Philly, you don't really know. But you know I'm doing something holy. Right? You don't need to know how the engine works when you put your foot on the gas pedal and the car moves. You just want to know that it's moving. You don't need to know all the mechanics behind it. And, and our connection, the connection between the physical and spiritual worlds is similar to that in the sense that you don't have to know how everything works. God is really great and God is really smart and God is really cool. And he's greater and smarter and cooler than all of us. And we just have to trust in that and trust in the mechanism, trust that it works. But again, we don't want to become robots either. So that's why you mix it up. You mix it up with your own language. You mix it up with your own freestyle. But then you also tap into the words of our sages. Any questions? That's a bit of a recap. Any questions on that before we jump into tonight's topic? And please feel free to ask, especially those who are new on the call. So all of the Amidah. I have a question, I guess, just clarification. Yeah, yeah ask. I'm just sharing my screen in the meantime, but yeah, ask. When you say mix it up, can you just give some examples? Like, do you mean... Yeah, I guess some examples of what you mean in style. It sounds like you're more talking about community prayer versus solo prayer, but I'm not Keith, sure also what you mean. I'm sorry, I think Keith, you're asking that? Yeah, are you more talking about community? Because you seem to be talking about the benefit of community prayer versus solo I'm not even prayer. Talking about, tonight, I'm not even talking about praying with the community. I'm talking about the fact that when you say words that are from the Siddur, when you say words that are from the prayer book, even though you might not necessarily be inspired by them because you don't fully understand their meaning or their depth. Even if you're praying from a siddur, from a prayer book um, that's in English, most English translations are very dry and don't capture the essence of it. So one might be discouraged and one might be prone to say, why am I doing this? If, if, if prayer is about a conversation with God, so then let me speak from my heart. And there's something beautiful about that. But that shouldn't negate you saying these prayers because by saying these words, that's when you're tapping in to communal prayer. It doesn't mean the community that you're standing with. It means the Jewish people. It means your great-grandparents. It means the 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 coven the coven note the intentions of the very sages who wrote prayer who were prophets who understood the depth 
So you're tapping into what we would call sort of new age language, a collective consciousness of the Jewish people. And that itself has power to it. That's what but, I'm trying to do. But it's also and, stuff. So you're, you're saying to do this stuff, even if we don't understand it. Even if you, if, even if you don't understand the words, there is a benefit to saying those words. Correct. Correct. But, it, but obviously just, but you are saying it with the understanding and the intention that you are trying to bind yourself together with the rest of the Jewish people. You're trying to bind yourself together with that collective consciousness. You're trying to bind yourself to the holy intentions that are behind these prayers, even though you don't understand them. We showed that the structure of the morning prayer that our sages did was meant to almost be a, a virtual um, model of entering into the temple. And how the same way the temple has these four different parts to it, it begins with the outer courtyard, and then it goes into the inner courtyard. And from the inner courtyard, it goes into the sanctuary. And from the sanctuary, it goes into the Holy of Holies. So we said that that's really the same, as you'll see it a little bit bigger here. That's the same structure that we're dealing with. The morning blessings correspond to the outer courtyard. Suke de Zimra, verses of song, correspond to the inner courtyard. The Shema corresponds to the sanctuary. And the Amidah corresponds to the Holy of Holies. So in essence, as you're moving through the morning prayers, you're supposed to almost imagine your kavanah, your intention is, you close your eyes every now and then, and you imagine that you're entering into that temple. You're tra transporting yourself through your words to now, because remember, right, we, the, there's a, a powerful concept that all of the mystics speak about. And that is, you are where your mind is. You are where your intentions are. If you are sitting in a boring seminar, a boring lecture, but you're thinking about sitting on the beach, in a beautiful beach, and you're really, you're totally focused on that, you can actually gain the benefits of that. You can exist in that place. Right? People have used this as a strategy where they're going through terrible situations. Very, very famous. The book, if you've ever read it, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl, is very, very famous for introducing that concept of the fact that we can transport ourselves to wherever we want to be. And every single time you pray, you can be in the temple. And you're, and, and you're supposed to, in your mind, transport yourself and think you are a priest, you are a Kohen doing the service in the temple, you can get to that place, you can get to that place of expanded consciousness. Remember, it's hard to be a Jew. It's hard to be a Jew. If you were, if this was not, if this was, I mean, this is Misora, right? Jewish cafe night, right? But if let's say Tuesday night, this would be Buddhist cafe night, and we would be having a conversation about going and, and, and living on an ashram, what we would do is we would have a, a, our entire day structured around how to be most intentional, how to be able to have an hour or two or seven of pure meditation. There are other religions that focus heavily on putting oneself in that spiritual place. And if you're trying to be spiritual, that is certainly a benefit. 
But as Jews, we're given a very, very difficult task. God has given us a tall order, and that is that we are oscillating between trying to be spiritual, but also living in the world of dollars and cents, living in the world of tikkun olam, living in the world of trying to make a difference. Right? That's the game. It, it's very, very hard. It's, it's hard to be a Jew because we're being asked to dance between these two worlds in a way that's very unnatural. And it's a constant effort to try to do that. So we hear the very fact that you have this opportunity to sit and pray and the prayers themselves are meant to allow you at least for the 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, but at least be intentional about saying, for these 10 minutes, I'm leaving everything. You're having a stressful day, let go of it completely for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, for one minute, for an hour, whatever it is, let's say, let it go. During this hour, I don't care, right? You know how, right, when you drink yourself silly, so, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you're able to let it go? Try to do that in a spiritual way. Try to do that in a holy way. When you're praying, let it go. You don't care about anything. You're transporting yourself into this place. And you're envisioning as you go through the morning blessings, I'm in the outer courtyard. And you're in Psuke de Zimra. You're going a little bit deeper. You're saying the Shema. You're in the sanctuary. And then you're in the Amidah, the Holy of Holies. There's nothing. There's, there, there's, there's very little that's standing in between you and God. So that's a little bit of how we're supposed to approach our prayer. Questions on this before we move forward? Okay, let's try to jump in to what, and, and what, I, what I want to focus the most on is the first three blessings of the Amidah. The reason, by the way, I think we spoke this out last time, but let's just review. The reason why we call, call it the Amidah is because it's said in a different style than the rest of the prayers. We're sitting for the most part, you, you have the option, you could sit or stand. The Amidah is one that you say standing up, right? You've all seen this in synagogue. You're standing up. I feel like if I stood up now to demonstrate, the camera would end up being in like a really weird angle. I'm just not going to do it. So I'm just going to stay seated. But right, you're standing up. Your feet are together. And the Amidah is said in almost a whisper. As quiet as you can that only your ears could hear. So it's the most meditative. It said standing. The word Amidah means standing. And you could say it with your eyes closed if you know it by heart, or you could say it with the siddur. But this is the most concentration. It's silent. It's silent in the room. And you're really supposed to feel like it's you and God. The Amidah is said by every single prayer. Morning, afternoon, nighttime. During the week, whenever you say it, it's always going to be the same. On Shabbat, there are three different ones or four different ones, because there's an extra prayer on Shabbat. Right? So each prayer that you say in Shabbat, it's different. So you got to find it on Shabbat. You have to find it in the Siddur. If you go into synagogue, you go into shul, you got to make sure you're on the right page, because it's different. Different holidays are going to have their own Amidah. But one thing that will always be the same is the first three blessings. Doesn't matter, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shabbat, weekday, 
right? Whatever it is, wherever it is. So therefore, if you are a master, many of you, you probably, if you haven't learned it too many times, I'm sure you, you had a bar about mitzvah, you learned it then, hopefully even more than that. But if not, whatever it is, if you're a master of these three, then you know that whatever, whenever you happen to roll into synagogue, they're going to say this, and you're going to know what they're talking about. So let's make sure, let's, let's do these first three together so we have a solid understanding of it. So you'll, you'll, you'll feel very much empowered wherever you are that you'll know what it means. Um, can someone just as a quick reminder of what it means in English, I think probably many of you are probably familiar with the Hebrew, Baruch God's name, Elokeinu, Elokeinu, right? Does this sound familiar? Okay, Abraham, okay, Yitzchak. Shake your head if it sounds familiar to you. Give me, give me a thumbs up, either like the little icon or, or a thumbs down if not. Okay, good. All right, so I, we, I think we're okay. So this is always going to be the first. Um, someone, Ari, can you see the screen well? Can I ask you... Would, would you mind, re, read to us just straight, read us the English, if, if you can see the screen well. I don't know if you're on a phone or... Read the English, you said? Yeah, the English. Sure. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the Almighty, the Great, the Powerful, the Awesome, Most High, Almighty, who bestows benefit, uh, beneficent kindness, possesses everything, who remembers the piety of the patriarchs, and who brings a redeemer of their children, children's children, for the sake of his name, with love. Okay, so take a moment, everybody, and just look at the words, just for a moment, take it in, and try to pick out if there's any, any of the language over here. Do you find any of the language inspiring? Is there anything over here that moves you? Is there anything here that's interesting to you? Is there anything here that's puzzling to you? Just just take it in and try to develop some sort of feeling towards these words. I'll, I'll give a minute here. You just to kind of take it in. Read it over. I would say open my lips. Okay. And my mouth to declare. So to give me the 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 words to um, express what I want to say. Beautiful, beautiful. Someone has put something in the chat box. Let's see. Someone said. Someone's asking why is it children's children and not children? Okay. Someone pointed out that the matriarchs are not here fantastic anyone else i think perhaps children of children because we're waiting for the mashiach we don't have many generations down from now for god will come so it's beautiful that we're just waiting we know it's going to be but we're only waiting still. love it love it you can jump in anyone else either in the chat or just speak it out. Anything else that you found interesting, puzzling, inspiring, unusual, meaningful, emotional? 
I, I, I thought um, with the reference to children's children, it could be interpreted that, you know, it's not just what he'll do for who's here, but God will take care of people potentially not even born yet down the line. Mm, love that. So true. So true. Beautiful, which is very much in the theme of God's kindness, how it extends. Evo, anything, Sarah, Kate? I'm sorry, I know that my screen is not shared anymore. Anything, Drew? B Dan? Nick, Melanie? Ben? Anyone else want to jump in? Anything else that you found interesting or meaningful? I think it's all meaningful. Uh, extremely galvanizing and uh, uh, yeah, energizing. You're, you're in, you like it, you like it. Yeah, it reminds I, me of uh, the, the, I absolutely love uh, this Psalm, it's either 21 or 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh. Yeah, that is that one. That one gets me, you know. That that one hits me right in the feels. That's that's what I like about this. Yeah, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Let Let's try to dig in. Let's try to dig in a little bit to the first blessing, and let's see. So, number one, the first thing, even before we get into this specific blessing, is just the the concept of blessings. We're doing blessings all day. The the Jewish law challenges us to try, to try to see whether we can make a hundred blessings a day. If you're, if you do all three prayers and you're aware of making blessings on the food that you eat and the various opportunities to make blessings throughout the day, you can get there. It's, it, it is part of the program. Um, but you, but you know, if you're, if you're all inclusive in terms of making all the blessings and all of the opportunities that you have, but no one's, well, I'm sure some people are, the average person doesn't really count. But there is an idea within Judaism that sort of your, your day, you're, you're weaving blessings in throughout the day. Through your prayer, through your eating, there's a prayer that you can say, even a blessing that you can say right after you use the facilities. Just thanking God that your body works properly. So there's blessings throughout the day. And if you read over here on the screen, what I wrote, it says much of the prayer service is structured around various blessings. Additionally, we say various blessings throughout the day on both physical and spiritual activities. Blessings are meant to constantly keep us mindful and aware of God's presence in everything that we do. So we know that really in Judaism, the, the name of the game is mindfulness. Because like I said earlier, we, we're not Buddhists. We're not, we don't have this Eastern spirituality that allows us to tailor make or structure our life in a way that it all revolves around the spiritual practice, right? If God wanted that from us, God would not have put us, the, the, such a, the millions of Jews in the busy society of, of you know, the Western world. So maybe there there are Jews who live in communities like that, but certainly that's not our mission. So therefore we have the challenge because we cannot structure our life around being spiritual all day. 
So we need to bring spirituality into our daily life. And the bottom line is, bottom line is that the more that you're, again, none of us are perfect and we all go back and forth. Sometimes we're feeling a little bit better some, uh, about ourselves, sometimes we're not. But there is nothing that you did today from the moment you woke up to the moment that you came on this call to learn Torah that cannot be framed within some sort of spiritual framework. Which means that every single time you, you sat down today, you had a sandwich for lunch or you had a salad for lunch, you could have been, maybe you were, you could have been engaging in a spiritual activity to the point that if you had spiritual consciousness as you took every single bite of that salad or that sandwich, then there was no difference between your sandwich and the Jew in Jerusalem who's sitting there and engaging in Torah all day. Both of you are bringing spirituality into the world. That's true for the job that you do. It's true for the money that you make. It's true when you're together with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend. It's true when you're being intimate. It's true when you're relaxing. It's true when you're sitting on the beach. You have that opportunity that you could always bridge together the spiritual and the physical world. How? With mindfulness. But mindfulness is difficult. Most of us don't have such fine-tuned, disciplined minds. So we have another mechanism, and that's called a blessing. And when you're about to have that sandwich, and you make a bracha, baruch atah, and you say God's name, elkeinu melecha olam, ha? You know what goes next, right? Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. You now have just transformed your sandwich into a spiritual activity. And what that means is that when that sandwich goes into your mouth, into your esophagus, is that what goes? Esophagus, right? Into your intestines, as it's going through you, right? The physical sandwich is going into your bloodstream, but yet you're also tapping in. Rabbi Tadalah spoke about this, by the way, last week in the, in the Tubishvat thing. That's exactly what he said. He said, when you make that blessing, you are now, you, your, your consumption of the sandwich is not just physical, but it's spiritual as well. There is no bracha on sex, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the holy intention, you're doing this to fuse together two souls in a holy way, to fulfill the verse in the Torah that says that, a, that, a, that, that two partners shall become basar echad, shall become one, in, in, in holiness, and, and everything else, and everything across the board. The blessing, the idea, the concept, whether you're saying the words or thinking it, of Baruch Atah and, and God's name. What is Baruch Atah? So the, the, your, your sitter might translate as blessed are you. A more correct interpretation is you are the source of all blessing. The entire physical world that you're engaging with, this is God's clothing. By the way, this is an old sweater that I'm wearing tonight. I don't know if people are still wearing cardigans or not. I, I don't know. But I figured it was a snow day. I didn't go anywhere. And we're, we're, we're friends. You're not judging me, right? But if you think about the entire physical world, it's God's cardigan. It's God's at the outermost layer. And when you make a blessing, 
You're peeling it away. You're like Drew before he came on the call tonight, right? You're piercing it. You're getting past past the clothing, and you're getting into the deeper essence of God in the world. Every single time you say a blessing. So get into that habit. You don't need to be, and please, you'll excuse me, forgive me for saying this, for talking like this. You don't need to be orthodox. You don't need to be observant. You don't need to be religious. You just need to want to be mindful of bringing God into the world. Baruch Atah, God's name, Adonai, Elokeinu, Melech Olam, on bread, Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz. On a drink or on a piece of meat or on an egg or something like that, shahakol niyabidvaro. On fruit, borei priha eats. On vegetables, borei priha dama. On grain products, borei mine mizonos. I can send that out if anybody wants a thing, but, but just get into the habit. It takes a second and it's mindfulness. And that's the way the Amida starts. Okay? Questions on that before we continue? Just to clarify, when we say we, the, God's the, the God has many many names, but the name that most uh, accurately describes God as being a compassionate interactor, sustainer of this world, is called the four-letter name, or what you might read as the Tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton just means that's four letters to it, and those four Hebrew letters are Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. It's called the ineffable name because since we can never fully grasp God, we, we don't pronounce that name. Instead, when we see those letters together, Yud and He and Vav and He, we don't pronounce it, but we, we replace it with a different word called Adonai. Adonai means my master. So we say Baruch Ata Adonai, but we're really saying Baruch Ata Yud and He and Vav and He. Um, Jews do not refer to God as Jehovah. If you're ever in a Torah class or a Jewish environment and somebody refers to God as Jehovah, the likelihood is that that person has been hanging around missionaries. And I would question what that person is doing in the class. I've given many, many classes. person raises his hand, starts talking about Jehovah. I know exactly where they've been. And that's, that's a, a Freudian slip that uh, many of them do. So if you ever find yourself there and you hear that language, and by the way, if you happen to be one of those people, then yeah, I just warned you. <laughs> Not to give yourself away, no joke. All right. But, so it's Baruch, Ata, and then it's God's name. Elokeinu is... Elokeinu really means, it's the name of God that refers to the fact that God is control of everything. When you hear Adonai Eloheinu, that's, so Adonai is Yud and He and Vav and He, that's God's actual name. Elokeinu is more referring to the fact that God is the one that controls every aspect of creation. One might even say that this name, the name of Adonai, is actually God's name. Again, not that word, but the Yud and the He And Elokeinu is more about what God does. It's not quite the essence of God. It's not quite the, the, the name of God, the manifestation of God, as much as it is a description of God's role in the world, right? Um, Dan, my friend, Drew, my accountant, Sarah, my student, God, Elokeinu. You understand? 
So it's more of a description of, of what God does. So whenever we're making a blessing, most blessings begin that way. By saying, Baruch Atah Hashem Now in this specific blessing, now we get into the next step. And that is, and, and we'll end with this, let's just go for four more minutes, and then we'll stop. Then we get to God, the God of our forefathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. So we begin by referring to the God of Abraham, God of uh, Yitzchak, Isaac, and God of Yaakov, Jacob, each one of the others embodied and brought into the world a different foundational attribute of Hashem. This is why we say, um, sorry, this is why we say, okay for each one of the others. We say, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Right? Don't just say, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here is, here is just to, to clarify, and I'll, and, and I'll end with this, just to clarify a little bit of confusion. We've discussed this uh, many times before. The Torah, when the Torah, or when we see specifically in prayers, a reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is not a way of sort of, you know, throwing it back to these personalities to the exclusion of all other personalities, right? God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not anybody else's God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the were were considered sort of the three pillars to which the Jewish people were founded on because their lives, what the Torah tells us about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you understand the stories fully, each one of them were the conduits through which a different channel of God, a different energy, a different attribute of God entered into the world. It's not just like a shout out, like a kudos, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When it says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, it means the God, the godly energy that is expressed through Abraham, the godly energy that was expressed through Isaac, the godly energy that was expressed through Jacob. That's why, again, the, this, the, uh, the sensitivity, and again, I understand where the sensitivity is coming from, Noah, of reform, who added in Sarah, Rebecca, uh, Rachel, and Leah, Sarif, Karachl, and Leah, which, again, it's very beautiful and it's very nice you know, to, to, to be sensitive to that, but that's sort of based on an understanding that this is about Abraham the person, Isaac the person, Jacob the person. But it, it's not a shout out to them. It's not like, hey, why don't we give a shout out to them? We didn't give a shout out to them. That's, that, that comes from a, a lack of fully understanding what's happening over here. It's not about Abraham. It's about the fact that it's the God of Abraham, meaning the godly energy that was manifest through Abraham because the, the Torah told these stories through the tests of Abraham. Many times we know Sarah was a greater prophet than Abraham. We know that Sarah, in many accounts, the, the Torah seems to acknowledge her greatness over Abraham's, her perception of things. Rebecca, I mean, the, the, you know, we're, we're, we're not here to, to compare. We don't, we don't compare Torah personalities with one another. Right? Each one was great and not comparable to anybody else. The understanding of this, of, of, of God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, is that there was a revelation of God, which we refer to as the God of Jacob. Meaning the godly, I'm sorry, the, or Abraham or Isaac, the godly energy that is connected to them 
which in Abraham's case is called kindness, in Isaac's case is called discipline or justice, and in Jacob's case it's called emet, it's called truth. And maybe we could speak about that a little bit more. But again, I just wanted to clarify that point, that when we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not, again, it's not a shout out to the individuals that we need to say, why them and not them? Why do we just, that's not what it's about. It's more of a Kabbalistic idea that there is a certain godly energy, which, which, which is called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Torah personalities, the stories of these Torah personalities were just there to reveal that character, to reveal that aspect of God. Right? It's as if, let's say, you know, if, if, if you went through Keith, you went through a certain adventure in your life, and you, and, and, and you had a certain godly understanding through that adventure. So then from now on, we would say the God of Keith. Meaning the God, the aspect of God, the revelation of God that Keith discovered through that. It's not about you, it's about God. You happen to have been the one who discovered it or expressed it. I, I hope that that's making sense. It's a, it's a very, very deep idea. And if you'd like me to, to clarify it more, you can feel free to ask. But I, I thought just that's an important, important clarification, especially since, you know, many of you, you've seen both, you've, you've seen all different versions and, and maybe you've wondered, you know, why is it, why, why in that prayer book is it written that way and in that prayer book it's not. So I hope that I shed a little bit light onto that. Okay. Is it fine if, if, is it fine just because I grew up with doing that? Is it fine to just keep mentioning them? Well, as long the, as the patriarchs get mentioned, doesn't matter. So that, that, that's a wonderful question. The, the challenge to that is the following. The challenge to that is that it's a blessing. And because it's a blessing, remember, it's one long blessing. So there is, there is again, because there's this idea that I, I, that I told you that we're sort of trying to, to subscribe to, um, to the, the format that the sages wrote. We're trying to, prayer is supposed to be a unifying thing. And this is a, a relatively new version, which for thousands of years, that wasn't part of the text. Uh, so one could say that it's breaking off of tradition, which also in the context of a blessing, one is not supposed to insert words into a blessing, any words into a blessing. You know, if you decided to say, you know, anything, even if it's a long thing. So that's where it might be problematic. What I would say is if you feel very much connected to it, then, you know, you can certainly meditate it. You can certainly think it. To to insert it into it could be a, could, could be sort of breaking up the blessing. Isn't meditation or all of those other different forms or mediums of prayer also non-traditional? No. You can, you can, you're allowed to think whatever you want. In, in fact, even in between, Eva, I see you, take, take care. Even in between blessings, you can even insert your own language. It's just to insert words into a blessing that are not part of the original text. That Jewish law says that is sort of disrupting the flow of the blessing. So I thought in previous classes we had talked about that it didn't have to be a straight open a book and pray that way. Right, that's that's what I was asking. You wouldn't do it in the middle of a, a, of a blessing. You might do it in between a blessing. You can do it in between prayers. You can do it before, you can do it afterwards, but you wouldn't start freestyling in the middle of a blessing itself. I got a quick question. Yeah. In terms of the, the um, emos, in terms of, you know, um, the, four mothers, the emos. How mm -hmm. come it doesn't say God of, 
um, Sara, God of right. So that, that, that's what we were just explaining. That's what we were just explaining. It's not. We're not trying to give kudos to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're, when we say Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, we're referring to the godly, the, the the energies, the attributes that are connected to these others because of the stories in the Torah where certain godly energy was expressed where they were the conduit of that so it's not it's not giving god was the god of everyone god was the god of the of the of the tribes of david of the, i mean there, there's all sorts of personalities that's not what's what's being said over here it's not like a shout out it's saying the, this godly energy which in other contexts is called chesed or gvura or tiferet in this context it's called eloke avram that's what it's called because uh, because avram was the conduit for that revelation of god's kindness Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Great to see everyone. We will continue this, God willing, next week. Thank you all for coming on. Bye.